art inspires empathy. And I think that leads to happiness, right? And I think the key to that is that happiness is connection, right? Humans are happy when they feel connected to something, right? Whether that's you like in a field, like on a beach, whatever it is, feeling connected to nature, whether that's you like laughing your ass off with your friends, laughing to the point where your stomach hurts and like feeling connected with your friends, right? Whether that's you like being moved to tears, watching a movie, like art is just a way for you to feel connected through that empathy, right? It's somebody's interpretation of emotion and it helps you feel a little less alone. And, and that's what that's what happiness is to me. Connection, mm-hmm. right? Hello and welcome back to the Next Iteration Podcast. Today's episode is a special one with just me and Damien. We've been doing a lot of guests recently and we know you guys like um, you know, these more down-to-earth, laid-back conversations, so we thought we'd do one real quick. Uh, the episode topic is work-life balance. Damien and I have been, you know, definitely working a lot recently, and it's been sort of difficult for us at times, and so we really wanted to have a conversation that was a reflection of how we felt about the role of work in our lives. And I think it'll be a good exercise for you to listen to this and sort of think about where you find meaning, where you find connection, whether that's in work, whether that's in other activities in your life, and reflect on how you can, you know, make your life a little bit happier. Um, Anyways, hope you enjoy the episode. And before we start, just want to say a quick shout out to our listeners in Belgium. I don't know if it's a VPN thing where someone's network is getting routed there, but we've been getting a ton of numbers from there. So thank you for running our podcast up. Uh, We'll make the trip to Europe soon. We really appreciate you. You are now listening to the Next Iteration Podcast with your hosts Fuad and Damien. If you liked the episode, follow us on Spotify and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Our website was built by Face Solutions, logo designed by Charmeni, and music by Wonderly Music. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the episode. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, welcome back. Welcome back. Honestly, it's been a while since we've done one of these where it's just us two sharing the virtual stage. So it's nice to be back, even though it is a long time. Yeah. An absolutely unholy hour of the day. Like nobody should be recording podcasts at this time. <laughs> I guess we just love doing this shit too much. Uh so oh, yeah. yeah, apologies for any voice cracks, for any just rants and just rambles, because it is it is late. So forgive us. But yeah, I mean, like as Fouad kind of mentioned in the intro there it is definitely a timely topic considering that you know we just did slaves to our work all day and we finally are getting around to doing this um part of the odds <laughs> yeah yeah but you know it's it's I guess like might as well just go ahead and dive right in so clearly work for us at least has played and like just an immense part and is very central to our lives right now and I'm sure for a lot of other people our age, you know, they can definitely echo that statement because, you know, we're still at a point where we're still discovering ourselves. We're still learning more about uh, like what, what it kind of goes on inside the inner workings of our own heads. And that is a, it's an entirely iterative process, right? And before we can go ahead and, I mean, like there are the exceptions, people just go ahead and start their own, you know, their own companies. They jump in and start their own ventures, follow their dreams from the get-go. You know, for uh, for many people, this is the safer bet. So go ahead, go into a reputable company, and uh, start off for your own journeys from there. But for or at least for for you yourself, you know, for like you've obviously entered at a bunch of different companies by this point. Uh, what have you learned about yourself? You know, along that journey. 
what have I learned about myself in terms of work-life balance? Uh, well, one thing I've learned is that it's kind of a misnomer, work-life balance. Yeah, there's no such thing as a balance. And a lot of people try and impose their ideas of balance on you. But really, work-life balance doesn't exist. It's just whatever you want it to be. And it's just the trade-offs you allow to be in your life. Now, obviously, those trade-offs can be better or worse, depending on what your definition of good or bad is. Some people want to work all day. And in that case, work-life balance is best for them. And some people don't want to work all day. And I got kind of like the first exposure I got to this was actually from my uncle. So uh, my uncle is uh, managing director at Goldman Sachs, like biggest grinder I've ever known, like <laughs> biggest grinder I will ever know. Like he came from, so context, my parent, my mom is an orphan. She actually grew up without her father. Uh, he, he was killed when she was three um, in the independence war in Bangladesh. So my, my mom and her younger brother, my uncle grew up, you know, dirt poor, um you know in the streets basically like grinding their ass off like trying to have a better life for themselves and my uncle is like one of the smartest human beings on this earth and like top grinder as well and he basically made it out from that situation um you know to eventually getting his phd at uc berkeley um and then you know becoming a managing director at goldman sachs which is i think a pretty big deal and yeah. one thing i remember whenever i visited my uncle was that he'd be working constantly like this guy gets up at 5 a.m goes for like a three mile run, you know, works out and then starts working and doesn't stop working until like 10 PM, right? Typical investment maker life, but he's like 45 doing this stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember, um, I remember hearing, you know, as, as like the brown aunties do some like murmurings because uh, my uncle actually didn't have his first kid until he was 42, I believe 42. Oh, no. And a lot of people were like, yo, this guy like sacrificed his life to work. Like he has no balance. You know, he, he only had his first kid at 42. Like what kind of balance is that? Blah, blah, blah. And like, there's a lot of judgment, right. Sometimes mm -hmm. from, from the community. And one thing I always remember thinking is that my uncle is doing exactly what he wants to do. Like he got to a point in his life and, you know, maybe his priorities have since changed, right. As he said, he now has two kids and, you know, he's spending more time at home with them, but he was at a point where he had accomplished the things he wanted to do. And, you can say like very few people can say that very few people can say that they've done exactly what they wanted to do and gotten to a point where they were happy with themselves. Mm -hmm. I bet you half those aunties that were like trash talking were not at a point themselves where they felt like they'd, you know, done the things they wanted to do. And so that was like kind of my first exposure to him that definitely shaped things like, Hey, work-life balance is what you want to achieve. You know, maybe that means you have kids later. Maybe that means you have kids earlier. Maybe that means you don't go as far in your career, but it is a matter of what you choose to believe. And so that was kind of my first exposure to work balance. And then, yeah, internships have definitely had a lot of influences along the way. Um, I think, yeah, like the different internships have taught me different things about how I want my work life balance to be. I've learned things like, you know, I never want to commute. That's like a big one. Like no matter what, I want to be 20 minute walk from my work, which apparently is the scientifically optimal commute based on, Bunch of different factors is a really cool study. I uh, might link it in, in the description. 20 minute walk is a scientifically optimal commute because it creates enough separation from your work and life. Mm -hmm. So it's not like a five minute walk or something, but it's like also close enough that you don't have to waste time commuting and it's a walk. So you get that exercise and sun. And, um, but yeah, that learned a lot of things. Like I don't want to waste time commuting, which means, you know, I can work a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I've said a lot of thoughts. So I want to I hear, hear some of yours, man. What have you learned about work-life balance? Yeah, I mean, 
it's it's interesting because it's also very dependent i i feel at least like on the environment that you're in right so at least like right now for example like i'm working at a startup and very much so the ethos of being in this environment is that you know you gotta you gotta put in the hours you gotta grind and there's this this implicit pressure to kind of stay longer at work you know just stick around the extra bit do that extra bit of work and it's hard because that's the benchmark that's been established there right so it's like if you go in you only you clock in the regular like nine to five hours it's like you're not doing enough almost so in conditions like that like it does feel harder for sure to find that semblance of balance especially when you know a lot of people are experiencing the work from home lifestyle uh right now which at the beginning was you know it was pretty sick right it was like it was, it was a bit of a novelty you get to roll out of bed and then you're already at work if that was if that was what you wanted to do okay but yeah the longer that you're in that it's it's like it, the harder it becomes to clearly demarcate the boundaries between where work ends and where life begins because you're you're only like you're literally steps away from work quote-unquote work right it, it's as easy as turning on your work laptop and you're there and for me honestly like my, my work laptop is kind of like nicer than my personal laptop so <laughs> it's just, hard to it's hard to go away yeah. yeah yeah i'm just like on here browsing uh anyways but yeah it's it's again as with everything in life it, you just got to start being intentional with it and i think that's what i'm still trying to navigate right now mm-hmm. work is at the end of the day you know it's work right the most optimal state for everybody to be in in relation to work and life is that you're doing a job that fulfills you kind of like your uncle right like he's at where he wants to be in life so even though to others it looks like he's just grinding his ass away the the secret to success to success is to find that thing that looks like work to others but feels like play to you right because then it's just easy so this, the most optimal state, of course, is to find the thing that brings you fulfillment, because then you're not going to feel like it's a grind all the time, right? Because it's, mm-hmm. again, like, it feels like play to you. But for everybody else where it doesn't, I think it is very much important to create those boundaries for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because there's no point, like, there's so many, especially people our age, where we're faced against the the pressures and the expectations that others bring through their posts on linkedin for example where we're just seeing everybody's success right i didn't announce that <laughs> yeah yeah so it is very much important to clearly demarcate the boundaries between work and life because for so many of us who face those pressures of seeing other people's success on linkedin or seeing people living the best life on instagram we create this pressure on ourselves to keep working harder, right? To sacrifice those parts of ourselves where we, you know, like being young, we should be out out here just not wilding out, but just enjoying life, right? Experimenting, doing the crazy things, spending time with friends, spending time with family, and not, you know, hold up in your room, stuck at work all day. And sure, you know, like salary comes with it, you get the nice benefits and everything, but I mean, like you were telling me this story and like, obviously we won't name names for confidentiality, but you're telling me this story about, you know, the guy who works with you at SpaceX. Dude is coming in eight in the morning and clocking out at 3 a.m. And then going home, sleep for five hours and then rinse and repeat, right? Like that's ridiculous. I could never see myself doing that. 
and sure you're getting like the nice overtime pay you're getting the benefits for it but where like what at, at what point there, where are you left with that right like where you you lose so much of yourself along the way you don't even have time to spend that that money right mm-hmm. yeah no i absolutely agree like first off on your point like work needs to be something that doesn't feel like work for you to get to that point and real quick i just want to acknowledge that obviously we're in a very privileged position to even be able to think of that like i know for 99 percent of the world they are never going to be in a position where they can get that fulfilled from work where it feels like it's not work at all mm-hmm. and you know we're definitely in careers where we get to have that agency and autonomy over the work we do um and we're we're looking forward to getting more of that and becoming in a position where it feels like it doesn't work um, but i know that it's just literally just not an option for most people so i want to acknowledge that first um but you know given that we do have this privilege um, I think there's a really, really good book to read. It's called Drive by Daniel Pink. It was recommended by uh, my former manager at Tesla. Um, and he describes it super, super well. Daniel Pink is like a really cool guy. Um, he has a master class as well. Um, and he basically discusses the idea of work-life balance and like intrinsic human needs and like how you can meet, you know, certain intrinsic human needs through work, like the need for agency, autonomy, fulfillment, Right. And you still have, like, let's picture Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You still have, like, you know, the need to sleep, the need to eat, the need for security. But that fulfillment, by and large, is something that we should and can get from work, can and should get from work, because work takes such a huge chunk of our life. Why not make it something fulfilling, right? Why not make it something that we actually care about on a deeper level and, you know, want to fully explore? And so, yeah, um, I think that's a huge part of work-life balance, because, it'll make the balance feel a lot better. And I know I've been at jobs where I work nine to four and I'm like, holy shit, like I just need to fucking finish. And mm-hmm. I've been at jobs where I work nine to nine and I'm like, damn, like I need to go back. I want to work on this stuff, you know? So definitely run the course in terms of, of time load. And that isn't necessarily correlated. I'm not saying it's correlated the other way either. Like sometimes I work nine to nine and I'm like, shit, like I want to go home still. <laughs> But, you know, it's so I'm not saying it's necessarily a correlation with time, but there is a correlation with like the mission of the company you work for and how aligned and fulfilled you feel from, you know, not just the mission, but like the actual work you're doing to contribute to that mission. Because, I mean, you could you could be working on a crazy mission, but you can be sweeping floors and and maybe that's just not what you want to do. You know, and you don't mm-hmm. feel like you're contributing to that. So, yeah, but I think the problem, though, is that like there's so many of us that are. Are working to live when no fuck god damn okay we'll have to cut this part out too <laughs> no, no, this ain't getting cut out bro <laughs> uh there's so funny. many of us that are living to work when we should only have to be working to live right like we should only really be uh having to put in the hours to you know afford the things that we need in life rather than slaving away our existence for this corporate entity and, you know, it's just crazy to think about, like, how the hell do we even get at this point, right? Like, this feels like the biggest scam. Like, work actually feels like the biggest scam Dude, that we've all used. You ever see that meme of, like, the monkey and, like, the, the guy? And, and the guy was talking to the monkey. He's like, oh, you're an inferior species. And the monkey's like, you're the only species on Earth that pays to live here. <laughs> and I was like, shit, like, you're right, bro. Like, we're the only, like, as much as we like to think we're, like, apex predators, like, we're the kings of the Earth, bro monkeys don't pay rent cockroaches don't pay rent they just be vibing bro like <laughs> bro we literally just created problems for ourselves just so that we can solve it and again 
like there's so many parts things about like life that just feel like such a scam at this point where <laughs> like literally there's a whole subreddit dedicated to like the abolition of work it's called like anti-work right oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> jokes. i've never seen it it's a serious movement because like like look at this right look at the trend that we've been seeing in terms of um the the output or productivity of work relative to the amount of time that we're allocating to it like back in uh back a, a couple decades ago right like people were working 80 hour weeks as standard in factories mm-hmm. and that was just the norm back then that was just accepted right and then henry ford comes along he's like yo let me do some research let me see if this is actually worth it to pay all these mans for sticking around for so long Uh, Mm -hmm. his research concluded that you know beyond 40 hours there really isn't that much improvement in in terms of productivity for the amount of time that they're spending there so Mm -hmm. henry ford you know being the this giant monolithic corporate force i guess he's like okay we're gonna cut your hours down to 40 hours and everyone's like yo bless i can spend more time with my family um and then the government adopted that same 40 hour timeline and that's where we're at right now and now we're seeing you know like microsoft japan for example even like a handful of countries around the world are running uh experiments for four-day work weeks right Mm -hmm. and they're seeing incredible results like at the very least the outcomes of these uh experiments are that there's no change of product productivity at the very least best case scenario it's benefits across the board we're seeing benefits in productivity um employee satisfaction uh efficiency of the workers you know just across the board mm-hmm. so where does this end you know like if we follow that trend i feel like we're getting pretty close to working you know three day weeks and then two day weeks and then one Dude, day the four hour work week that's where it ends and the four hour the four work hour week, week yeah Tim ferris himself yeah, yeah. and then who's the big inspo behind this podcast but um i'm waiting for that yeah UV. dude i think that yeah dude the ubi is going to change that too automation is going to change it i think those are all huge like conversations to get into in and of themselves but yeah where does that end like i don't know this is something i thought about a lot and even on these like long ass days like i came home at fucking like 9 10 today mm-hmm. um i gotta look I gotta say, like, I look back and like, obviously there were times when I wasn't working, right? Like, I don't think anyone who actually works this long can like honestly say that they work hundred percent of that time. And even you investment banker kids, like not, not to like this, anyone who's in investment making, but I know for a fact, like you're not working on spreadsheets that entire time. Like there's gotta be some downtime for sure. Um, and I think especially with coding or something, it's so brain intensive, not to say that other work isn't brain intensive. I'm sure it is, but with coding, it's like, dude, you can't code for like 13 hours. Like there's no way like your brain will will short circuit itself so i don't know i don't know where that line ends like i think a four-day work week versus a five like i think that's absolutely doable from what i've seen from of my own work and also you know other people in my life like there's absolutely at least a day's worth of work in the week that you can eliminate and and just make more efficient or at least like work nine to six and have the friday off like i don't know right but where does it end i don't know i think it's I think we'd eventually move to a state, you know, disregarding like automation, AI, like UBI, like all that stuff. But like, let's just take the state of the world currently as it is. I think we as a culture will move to a state where we're more similar to kind of, I guess, how software engineers are treated nowadays, where it's like, you have to do this by this time. I don't care when you do it. I don't care how long it takes, which can be bad and good, right? Because sometimes it takes way longer, but as long as you do it, you're good, right? And 
Um, I actually know like a friend of mine who was an intern at Twitter and like she would log in at like 2 a.m. some nights and like start coding and like code from like 2 to 4 a.m. Oh and go back to sleep and like wake up at like 11 a.m. And and like her, her teammates are and she's like, oh, like you don't have to work this way. She's like, no, like I wake up late and then just code 2 to 4 a.m. Because like I just feel like it. it's like focus time for me. Right. So and then she wakes up at 11. Right. So like trade offs. Right. Like I think it's very individualized. And I think hopefully we can move to a state where more and more of that work is individualized and obviously it's not the case for some careers, right? Like you can't be a fast food worker at like two to 4am only like yeah. most people aren't eating meals then. Right. So um, it comes with a layer of privilege obviously and, and things like that. But I guess as more and more of like the menial work that needs to be time bound gets automated and more and more of the work is like the higher level thinking, the creativity that can be done at any time, depending on what time is best for you. I think we'll, we'll move to that as a whole, as a culture more so. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the important thing there is um, not only like the time that we're spending at work, but really focusing the lens on the nature of the work that we're going to be doing during that time, right? Because as you mentioned, mm -hmm. right, like the menial tasks will 100% become more and more automated because, you know, it's just the more economical thing to do. But while a lot of people are kind of terrified by that prospect, it's actually something we should be rejoicing about, right? Assuming exactly. that we take the appropriate steps to ensure that we don't leave everybody behind in that process. Yeah. If employers can invest in their workers to retrain them, and like this, this inherently poses some problems as well, because considering the older people, uh, older population within the workforce, you know, a lot of people are just like, yo, I've just, I'm, I'm toward here at like towards the end of my working career there's really no point nor the will for me to relearn everything from the ground up right now. I just want to, you know, just do my thing and then retire. But barring those people, if employers are able to really invest in their people and invest in retraining their workforce so that everyone is equipped for this new, this new uh, work landscape, then we'll see a brighter future for everyone. Because, you know, at that point, like you said, work is going to be more centered around the creative things rather than rather than just repetitive menial tasks and that's that's pretty cool like in my head you know that's that's a yeah. pretty exciting future for everyone because imagine if everybody out here was you know you're getting paid to follow your dreams you know like right now it feels like such a moonshot to drop out of school become an artist but you know in the future you're going to be focusing on more of that work you know like there's going to be way more podcasts out there it's gonna be way more soundcloud rappers out there and it's oh, honestly hey, we are we're not podcasts we're we're a soundcloud rapper honestly yeah we host on soundcloud <laughs> we get those comments promo on this playlist like you know we're, we're basically soundcloud rappers but <laughs> yeah but you know what like the it's it's an exciting future to look forward to because of the ubiquity of art that we'll see in the world and it, it's actually interesting right like i've been reflecting more and like serendipitously finding more information about like art and like arcs function within our um, society that's awesome um, yeah what insights have you have you gotten yeah so like the i guess like the one the first thing i want to say on that like the foundation i want to leave for the next thing i will say is that uh i was listening to neil gaiman's uh commencement address at, i think it was nyu i could be mistaken but mm -hmm. it is hands down one of my favorite commencement addresses that i've heard and his message, his core message there is make good art, right? Regardless of what experiences life throws at you, you need to take that experience and make art out of it, 
right? Because other people are able to see that, they're able to learn from it, and they're able to even sometimes put feelings and words and actions to the things that they were going through that they themselves weren't able to really recognize. So mm-hmm. I was also listening to um, another podcast recently. Um, I believe it was Conversations with Tyler, if I'm not mistaken. But the person on the podcast was making the argument that art as a social function is to increase human happiness. And it does mm. this at the individual level by waking you to the possibilities of your own potential. Because it takes that potential and it refines it and it enhances it. And each art does this in a bit of a different way. So mm-hmm. music appeals to the auditory. Uh, painting is visual. Uh, sculptures are visual and tactile. Because, you know, in the old days, people would actually feel up sculptures, which, you know, we kind of drifted away from a bit. And, yeah, uh, yeah. of course, All poetry. these crisis works of art. You don't want people touching them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Especially, I've seen way too many kids topple, you know, priceless statues. That's, oh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, poetry appeals to the um, uh, the soul. language and emotional functions. Yeah, the soul, yeah. you know. But all of these things, they hit different areas. And this is all at the individual level. At the social level, you have people that are better aware of how they feel. And they can see that uh, they can see that see those same feelings in others, right? So at its core, art is empathy. And I don't know about you, but I would love to see be a part of a more empathetic world, right? Like all oh, of yeah. this the hatred that we see these days there were like it's you would be shocked at the backwards thinking and ideologies that people still hold today considering how diverse you know like i mean i guess we're privileged and be from toronto we live in a diverse area like we rarely ever see those so when we do hear about those things it sounds so foreign to us Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. definitely toronto is a share problem but you know, I, there's nowhere else on earth I'd, I'd rather have grown up, but yeah, I think really interesting. And, and one like key connection I, I kind of made there is um, the purpose of art is happiness and ha- art inspires empathy. And I think that leads to empathy is happiness. Right. And I think the key to that is that happiness is connection, right? Humans are happy when they feel connected to something, right? Whether that's you like in a field, like on a beach, whatever it is, feeling connected to nature, whether that's you like laughing your ass off with your friends, like laughing to the point where your stomach hurts and like feeling connected with your friends, right? Whether that's you like being moved to tears, like watching a movie, like art is just a way for you to feel connected through that empathy, right? It's somebody's interpretation of emotion and it helps you feel a little less alone and, and that's what that's what happiness is to me like connection mm-hmm. right that's maybe that's why i'm so extroverted and maybe that kind of shines through there like i love just meeting people and being connected with them like not in like a, oh let's connect on linkedin but like a genuine like wow like i feel this and you feel this and we both fucking feel this that's crazy you know yeah like depth of emotional human connection and that just inspires so much happiness even if it's a so-called negative emotion like i was talking to one of my boys today uh shout out actually i won't say his name because <laughs> he doesn't want to be shouted out right now but uh we we're talking about some some uh relationship issues he's going through oh man and, yeah <laughs> so i won't shut up but we're talking about some relationship issues he's going through and i've gone through something similar like not too long long not too long ago and it's a very negative emotion obviously it's not something like we find happiness in but i couldn't help but feel like happy that we were connecting and talking about it and like processing it ourselves. Right. It just felt, felt good. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. It just felt good. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and yeah yeah that's my little rant about empathy connection happening no i honestly like i love the point is um it makes me think about like this uh something that naval ravikant said i think it was on joe rogan's podcast but mm-hmm. um the the point he made was that uh happiness is peace in motion and peace is happiness at rest you know and it, it was such an interesting way to think about it because you know, they are inextricably linked at the end of the day. Like people think they're two disparate things, but the most optimal state is to have both in your life, right? And there is that balance of both. Um, and that's also, again, like t- coming back to like the, the main topic of conversation, that's why it's so important to find that, again, like we, it may not exist in all contexts that work-life balance, but it is so important to find some semblance of balance in your life for that very reason right because if things are not in in this like state of homeostasis then something's got to give at the end of the day right like if you're devoting mm-hmm. all of your energy to your work to your friends and to your family to your side projects then you know the things that's going to give at the end of the day is you because where's the time for yourself right and you're preaching to the choir buddy bro honestly i think i'm calling both of us out here yeah. like we've definitely been going through that um and this is a call out you know take some time for some self-love because that is so fucking important if you aren't mm-hmm. taking that time out for self-love you aren't bringing your best you're, you aren't being bringing your best self into the things the other things that you're doing in life you're not bringing your best self to your work or to your relationships with others right People love having people who are just energetic and enthusiastic and optimistic around them. And the more you start to forget about yourself, the more you start to deny yourself that self-care and that time for your mental health, the less you're going to be able to be that optimistic and enthusiastic person, the more cynical and, and, I don't know, nihilistic you'll become at the end of the day, right? Like life starts to get a lot grayer when you're just running on two hours of sleep every day oh yeah that is extremely pleased yeah speaking of call outs um let's end this episode with a personal call out what's one thing you did for yourself over the last week and if if there's nothing which you know first off that sucks <laughs> if there's nothing what's one thing you can do the next week or let's do both one thing you did the last week and one thing you can do the next week for yourself to take take some time and just just chill out an audience you can answer this in your head too but i want to hear Damien first yeah um for me it was definitely t- making time to just force myself to take an hour out of my day just to step away from like all of well not all electronics but i uh just went for a bike ride threw my headphones on and uh i just listened to some podcasts or some music depending on how like dead my brain was for the day and uh i just went for a bike ride you know like i have got into some bad habits recently or I, I should say I've fallen out of some good habits recently insofar as I haven't been exercising um, mm-hmm. as much. That is to say, I haven't really been exercising at all. And uh, <laughs> I need to start eating better as well. So it's definitely been beneficial to go out for those bike rides, work up those endorphins and just building up a sweat just makes me feel just better about myself, you know, having gotten that exercise in. Um, and definitely a benefit for my mental health as well. Uh, what about you? For sure. Uh, one thing that I did this past week, so I, I worked Sunday, but I, I took Saturday off. And on Saturday, I took a bath. 
And I think that's like the first bath. I've I haven't taken a bath in like years. Oh, like I think about it, I'm like, yeah. Maybe you think I said like like you just haven't been bathing yourself. Oh no no no! I'm sh- I shower usually. Yeah yeah. I don't yeah. I don't bath. Yeah no I <laughs> bathe myself, but I don't like sit in the tub like with the water like full and just like like basically what I did is I got some whiskey and apple juice. Okay okay. <laughs> like super cold, like put it next to the bath, and I just like sat down. Um. I have like Epsom salt. I heard that shit is good for inflammation yeah. or some shit. So I put some Epsom salt in the bath and I just like sat in the bath, drank my whiskey and apple juice and I just did nothing, bro. I turned my brain off and I was like, shit. And I sat there for like 30 minutes and I was like, holy fuck, this feels so good. It was like hella hot bath, like yeah. purging my skin. You know, I got a little tipsy as, as you must, right? And yeah, that was the only thing I did for, for self-love. And I think over the next week, yeah, this next week's rough, not gonna lie. <laughs> it's my last week at SpaceX for the internship. So have a hell of shit to close out. But I think um I will take some time to journal about my experiences at SpaceX. I'll be having to write like a like a final internship presentation or something. So I I need to like reflect on like what I did this term. So I think that's a good opportunity to like not just reflect on like professional achievements, but also like how I've been feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what you learn about yourself. Yo, you should like um your little story about the bath reminded me of my experience doing a sensory deprivation tank. You should, I would, oh, you've done one of those? Yeah, I would recommend Dude, no way. When was this? Uh this was two years ago now. So That's obviously awesome. pre-pandemic. Um yeah. but what was it like? Describe this. It was honestly it was insane. So the first of all, for anybody considering it um well i I got a massage and i did the tank you can get it covered by insurance heads up so you can pay uh yeah well like i didn't get the the actual float covered because hydrotherapy wasn't covered under my insurance but i did get the massage covered so that was like half the cost oh is uh ontario health insurance fund it's the free healthcare we got as canadians um, for all you american listeners yeah um yeah but it was just insane because first of all it was if anyone's familiar with dan or uh, toronto right it was like down the danforth so it's just obviously traffic and like hella noise outside you step into this place and as soon as you step in you it's like you're in a different universe right this it has this aura of zen that just permeates the air around it so that as soon as you step in you're wading through this pool of zen and you can't help but start falling into that right no way that's so cool yeah so um you know you go in you have a private room you have the pod and if you're anybody's claustrophobic you know you can have an open air version of this so it the top isn't covered but mm-hmm. i wanted the full experience so uh, you take a shower and then you slip in completely naked into your pod and what happens is it's uh it's a shallow bath of water but they throw in like a thousand pounds of epsom salt right so the density of the water is so high that you're it's really easy to float in that water mm-hmm. and the temperature of the water is pretty close to temperature of your skin so eventually you start like losing sense of where your body ends and where the water begins if you like really let yourself go um obviously there's no light in there so you lose your sense of sight um you Yo, have a little earplugs for yourself so you lose your sense of hearing mm-hmm. um i mean you can still taste if you wanted to drink the water i guess but like again assuming you're not doing that you have no sense of taste so all that's left after all of that is that is just your mind, right? You're just there floating in the ether. 
And dude, this sounds amazing. It's a really uncomfortable experience for a lot of people who aren't experienced or like used to doing things like meditation or just mm-hmm. unplugging from devices. Yeah, yeah, having constant simulation. All exactly, time. right. Um, because I was there in there for an hour, like literally just there in the darkness, like with my mind. So um the person I went with, it felt like an eternity for them. Um, so I I I completely understand where that come from. But yeah, after that got the full body massage and they gave us little cute bathrobes. And I cannot tell you how Zen, like I keep using this word, but I was so Zen after like literally nothing could have phased me then and there. Like I stepped out into Danforth traffic and it was just like, yo, these people are just living in a completely different, like, like time and like environment that I am right now. Like, it sounds feel, like the, the day after you pop a dab, not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, we have that glow. Like, it, it was insane. Like, honestly, somebody could have cut me off. I could have gone in an accident. Like, not thank God like, that, that didn't happen, right? But, like, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. something terrible could have happened to my day. And, you know, I would have just taken it like a monk and just kept going, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, the only thing much. that affects me is my reaction to things type of exactly. guy. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. That's a really cool story. Um, I definitely want to do that now. And I'm, wonder how you could experiment with i mean i will definitely do the sober first but it'd be very interesting to experiment with mind-altering substances and do this as well i'm sure that's been done yeah but just like the the idea you mentioned of like losing track of where your body is and just letting the mind wander i've definitely felt that you know in dreamlike states like yeah. you even even sober like just dreaming right it's it's like when you're really really tired and like you go to bed and like you feel yourself slipping into a dream and like you're kind of lucid dreaming like you know you're slipping into a dream yeah. but you know your body's still there but like not really it's it's just like a really interesting feeling so yeah thank you for that story um yeah we, we did stray a little bit from our original topic of work-life balance but i hope the audience found this educational um I and i hope it didn't it wasn't that obvious that we're suffering from a really bad case of work-life balance right now but man it was a good conversation i'm somewhat energized that. um yeah yeah definitely like it's we're almost or approaching midnight here on the east coast uh east, east coast of canada yeah i don't know man it's well anyways thank you guys for sticking around with us i think this is a great point to wrap up considering our deviation for our initial topic of conversation <laughs> uh, yeah hopefully. exactly but we should do a an episode on, on sensory deprivation i think that'd be cool yeah. yeah i'm down i'm down for that still um cool a little short snippet thing um yeah hopefully somewhere through our ramblings you were able to derive some sort of value uh yeah I, a couple of you have hit us up saying that you enjoyed these little one-on-ones so we'll definitely do more of these when we're well rested we promise you this uh hopefully at least our delirium induced speech today was at the very least entertaining so with that i think it's safe to wish each other a good night and the audience uh good morning good afternoon good evening good night whatever time of day you're listening to until the next episode yes sir and until the next time um take some time to reflect on the role of work in your life and yeah take some time for yourself do something for yourself this week whether that's a bath bubble bath i might get a bubble bath actually i might do that for myself, okay. do something for yourself this week because you you've earned it um, anyway signing off if you like the episode follow us on spotify and give us a review on apple Podcasts. 
Our website was built by Face Solutions, logo designed by Charmeni, and music by Wonderly Music. Thank you for listening. Think you got it? Nah, we're on the next iteration. <laughs> <laughs>